back to and refer to Acts chapter 1, and we'll be there for the main part of our message this afternoon. Um, it's a rather unusual subject, one that I don't know that I have ever preached on this particular subject in Scripture over the years. Uh, maybe some things similar to it or along the lines of it. Uh, but uh, really was kind of laid on my heart this week, and I'm not sure why or if anybody has a need in this area or not. But uh, Or maybe it's for something that is yet to come in our lives that we just need to be prepared for. I'm not sure. But something that I think is very helpful or will be helpful to some of us. And I think we can sometimes relate to uh, some of this as well. Um, so hold your place in Acts chapter 1. Let's start in Matthew chapter 28. And uh, again, very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, we're going to look at several that maybe we have memorized even. And you could probably quote without even having to turn to them. But Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 19, Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Here he's giving us a commission or giving the disciples a commission. And we have preached and taught these over the years that this is something that not only was he teaching his disciples to do, but he... he is giving instruction that we as, as His children uh, ought to be engaged in. We ought to be working and laboring and reaching people with the gospel. And uh, we just preached on that uh, last hour, how that when Saul got uh, saved on the road to Damascus, the Bible says straightway he began to preach and teach Christ. And the idea that he went on to uh, start sharing the gospel right away. But uh, look in Mark chapter number 16 once again. Uh, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then I want you to look, uh, going over to Acts chapter 1, we'll look at one final verse here before we launch into uh, what we're going to get at this morning. Uh, Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, again, kind of goes along with the two verses we have already read, where Jesus says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, Jesus gives certain certain and very clear instructions uh, as to what His will is for us as we labor in the Christian life. Uh, now that we're saved and on our way to heaven, what are we to be doing uh, until the Lord comes back? Uh, there are things that God makes very apparent to us and very clear in Scripture. I don't think any of us today, sitting in the afternoon service here at Keith Heights, would question the fact that one of the great things that God has given to us to do, besides our own personal walk with Him, is to be uh, propagators of the gospel, to be able to get the gospel out into the world and to share it with others. And so He gives His disciples some instructions here. However, uh, there comes a point where uh, God kind of puts the... He tells them what He wants them to do, but then He kind of puts the brakes on them. We find this happening throughout Scripture in several places. If you remember the story of Abraham and how God comes to Abraham and Sarah and promises them uh, a son and, and one that uh, would be the father of great nations. And He doesn't give them a time frame, does He? And uh, they, they are knowing what God's will is, but then they seem to be kind of stuck for, uh, in this case, decades. I mean, it took, it took years before God finally said, okay, here's the green light, go ahead. Um, I, I talked talk, talk to my sister yesterday. Her and her family were 
traveling, on their way traveling from Florida up to Indiana. And I called her while they were on the trip. And uh, I said, what are you all doing? She said, we are stuck in traffic uh, just uh, around Atlanta. And they had been for a long time. All of us can relate to that. we got a place to go. We know where it's at. We know what, we're, what, what our goal is, what we're achieving. We know how to get there. But we're stuck. We can't really do anything right now. Uh, Noah, I think, was another sign of this. God gives him a, a work to do and says the world's going to be overthrown uh, by a flood. And over a hundred years, Noah labors, uh, waiting for God to go ahead and move forward with what he had told him a hundred years prior to do. It happens sometimes in our lives. We find ourselves there where we know what God's will is. We know what his desire is for us. He's maybe given us some indication of things down the road that he has for us. But he says, but I want you to wait. Not yet. Hang on. Uh, like a horse standing in the starting gate, just ready and raring to go, but not quite ready to go. Look with me in verse number 4 of Acts chapter number 1. We see this happening to the New Testament Christians and those that he had just given these commissions to. And verse number 4, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so while God gave His direction, God gave His plan to these folks, He says, but wait, stop. Don't go yet. I'll tell you when. There are two things that I think are very devastating to our service for God. One of them is when we get behind what God wants us to do. Schedule-wise, he's, he's wanting us to go ahead and we're just sitting here dawdling and twiddling our thumbs and not doing it. Another one is when we get ahead of what God has for us to do. I have been there, I have done that before in life and in ministry and have always lived to regret those days. God's timing can never be improved upon. And it's hard for us <laughs> because... A lot of us, especially men that are here today, we usually have that get it done kind of attitude. Uh, boy, there it is. Just, just get it done. You know, let's, let's go. Let's do it. And yet sometimes God says, wait, what do we do? And this is the message. What do we do? And does the Bible teach us by example what we should be doing while we're waiting? Interesting topic. I don't know that I've ever preached on this. What should we be doing until God finally gives us the green light and says, okay, it's time? We may know what God has for us, but it's not time yet. He hasn't opened the door of opportunity or, or there's things in life that have kept us from it. And God just hasn't made it a possible thing. Do we just sit there? Or are there some things by way of Scripture that I think we can learn by the example of the early church and those that uh, were the disciples at this time? Are there some things that we can be doing? And I think that there are, and I want us to look at them this morning, or this afternoon, excuse me. Let's start, first of all, in Acts chapter number 1. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to look at several passages, most of them from this first chapter. And let's look at, first of all, in verse number 13. Uh, Let's back up to verse number 12 a minute. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. So they're they're doing what the Lord said. He says, but tarry at Jerusalem, wait there at Jerusalem, don't leave yet. 
So they go back there. They, they return unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, notice what it says here. They went up into an upper room, and there abode both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, and Thomas Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued, notice this, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and married the mother of Jesus with his brethren. And I wrote down here in my notes, what are we to be doing while we're waiting for God to give us the green light or God to clear the traffic jam and let us go on with what we know he wants us to do? And the first thing I have on here is continue to be ready. Continue to be ready. Uh, God had given them a great commission, hadn't he? He told them what to do. In fact, John, in his book, in five different places, talks about or records the fact that in five different places, Jesus says there's going to be another comforter. There's going to be the Holy Spirit to come. And, uh, and, and when he comes, he's going to do some great things. We read in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 that uh, he's going to empower these disciples to accomplish the work that he has for them to do. Now, I've often thought of this when we get to verse number 14, that it says these all continued with one accord, which meant that there was a singleness of mind, there was a sense of agreement here in prayer and in supplication. What were they praying for? Uh, the idea of supplication, praying for that which we need God to supply for us, to give to us, that we need, we're in need of. And they're praying in one accord. They're of one heart in this issue and one mind, and they're praying and they're supplicating. Over what? And they're continuing to do this. They're all gathered together doing this. They're praying for the promise that God had given to them, I believe, which was the Holy Spirit coming upon them in power to do the work before they're going out and doing it. And that this is something that they were doing to kind of keep things ready. A number of years ago, I was down in Florida, and we had two hurricanes that hit us back-to-back within two weeks of each other. They made landfall seven miles from my house. Literally within probably a mile and a half, the eye hit dead center twice. Two different hurricanes within two weeks. They made landfall within just about a mile and a half of each other from the eye center and just, just devastated our area. The interesting thing about hurricanes is you know days ahead of time that it's coming. They, they show you the cone of possibility, and as it gets closer day by day, that cone narrows in and narrows in and narrows in. And eventually, you know, 24 hours, 36 hours ahead of time, I better get out of the way of this thing. It's going to cause some harm. And it was amazing to me how many people got on the interstates to evacuate the state of Florida and ran out of gas on the interstate. Not thinking everybody else is going to be on the interstate. It's going to, instead of taking me four hours to get out of the state, it's going to take me 12. And I better have enough gas in the vehicle to get somewhere and to stop and, and, and be able to keep going, even when there's a tra- traffic jam there. They weren't ready. They, didn't, they weren't prepared. I'm reminded of the, the parable that the, the Lord told of those, uh, and it was in regards to His coming, obviously, but those that uh, would not have their lamps trimmed and ready and the oil in their lamps when the bridegroom comes. And how that some were ready and some were not ready. Uh, when we know what God has for us to do, we know that there's a commission to do and there's something that God has for us, but He's not opened the door of opportunity yet and, and we're not quite ready to walk through. He hasn't given that, that, that full green light. Uh, the thing I think that is shown 
by example to us from this early church is they got together and said, uh, let's make sure that we, we keep these things, we're charged up and ready to go. Let's keep praying. Let's keep, let's keep in one accord and of one heart. Let's stay focused on this thing uh, while we're waiting. Uh, I uh, am, am amazed sometimes. I, I went to college way longer than I like to admit ago. Uh, but uh, in 1988, I went to college, and uh, I was one of those guys that crammed four years into six. I was really quite a studious fella and worked hard. And uh, it took me six years to get through. Amen, Brother, brother uh, Roberts? <laughs> I was one of those kind of guys, you know. And uh, graduated. I, I mean, I couldn't wait, though. Six years. I mean, I was chomping, uh, three years into it. I'm chomping at the bit. And here's my, here was my thought in college. I, I, could, I can be sitting here learning how to serve, or I could already be out there serving. And, that, man, I couldn't wait. I, was, I, I didn't want to go to, I didn't even want to finish college. I wanted to just get out there and serve. And then finally a, a professor taught me something from Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 10, which was an amazing truth to me. It helped me greatly. And, and the idea is uh, that uh, uh, about sharpening your axe and the, the amount of effort it takes if you try to uh, chop wood without wetting the edge of the axe. And he said, you might get out to the woods a little later in the day, but by the end of the day you will have chopped more wood and been more efficient and boy, that helped me a lot. And, and so I studied harder and I worked harder knowing that this was time I was spending preparing and sharpening the axe for ministry. But I'll never forget in those years of working, the desire that I had, I could not wait to get out the door and start serving the Lord. And while I waited, I, I wanted to be doing something. I, I mean, I, I got men around, some, some fellows that were friends of mine and had a similar heart. And we would have prayer meetings together, and we would uh, encourage each other, and we would study together and do all these things together. And then I graduated, and there were some guys that had started college before me that were still there. <laughs> and a few of them graduated my year, and a few of them graduated within the next year or two after I left. And I stayed in touch with them. They were friends of mine. It's amazing to me how that when they graduated... They stayed there in town saying, I'm waiting for God to show me where He wants me to go. I thought, well, even if He doesn't show you, pick a place and go. <laughs> Do something. And I stand here, I don't know how many years later, and I could point to two or three of my friends that are still living in the town where they went to college. And they're working a job, and that may be what God ended up having for their life. I don't know this. But I know at one time they believed that God had called them to ministry. And if you talk to them today, they will tell you that they are still waiting for God to show them where to go. And they have really done nothing for the Lord in all these years. I think there's been a, a, a hindrance, perhaps, in their lives of staying ready, on guard, ready to, to go. Uh, I, like, I like shooting guns at a gun range, Brother Harold and... I occasionally go, Brother Wayne, Miss Kim, some of these folks, Miss Penny, I know you all like to shoot guns, and Brother John. And um, When I was first learning to, or thinking about carrying a gun, I had to make a decision. Am I going to carry without a, a round in the chamber? Am I going to carry with the safety on or off and trying to figure out? And I started watching videos of men who said if in an attack, if something happens, the amount of time that it takes to load one in the chamber, to uh, take the safety off. And I started being concerned about, am I ready to pull the trigger if I need to? I would hate 
for God to give the green light. And then I just sit there and be like, oh, Lord, you got to give me a minute now. i got to, got to get some things ready. Uh, I was talking to Brother Art this morning, Miss Linda. I didn't know he was involved in racing. Didn't know that. Got to talk to him a little bit. He's into drag racing. I guess that's the kind where the lights go tick, 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 down the seat and then you take off. And I asked him if he's, he was the driver. And he said, well, my son does most of it now. He said, because I don't have the, the reaction time. But I've watched those guys that are drag racing. Have you ever watched them? And that light will start up, and they'll rev that engine all the way to red line, it seems like, before they're getting ready to pop that clutch. And as that light comes down, when that moment happens, it's, it's a matter of a fraction of a second to, to pop that clutch and get it going. Can I tell you, that's the way we ought to be when it comes to being ready to do what God calls us to do. We've been trying to hand out Bibles months, Miss Penny. Got another email, by the way, today. Or yesterday, I'm sorry. Not not the time yet. Been working on it, laboring on it. Doors have not opened yet. But that doesn't mean we can't be getting the Bibles ready to give. That doesn't mean we can't be getting tents and trailers and signs made up and people recruited. Because when that door opens and all of a sudden that order of Bibles that we've ordered four months ago that's still on back order, when it shows up on that porch, I want to be able to call up Miss Penny and say, Hey, are you all ready tomorrow afternoon? Here's where we're going. And we don't have to take another three or four or five weeks to try to figure out how we're going to get this thing done. Why? Because we want to be ready. I don't understand why sometimes God causes us to wait. But there are times He does. We know it from Scripture. We've seen it in Scripture. And what do we do while we're waiting? I think one is we must continue to be ready. Look with me also, if you will, to verse number 15. The Bible says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field that, uh, with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And that's a good thing to talk about right after lunch. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in the proper tongue uh, Aseldama, that is to say, the field of blood. And for it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Therefore, wherefore, of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, uh, who is surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas my transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, they're sitting here waiting in Jerusalem. What are they waiting for? They're waiting to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They're excited. These men have seen these things of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been commissioned. And they're chomping at the bit. And Jesus says, I want you to go. And they're like, yes. And they say, but wait. <laughs> what are we going to do while we're waiting? Number one, we're going to be ready. We're going to be in one accord and in prayer. 
But secondly, do what you can while you're waiting. Do what you can while you're waiting. There are things that you can be doing and serving in and helping in ministry while you're waiting for the big thing that God has shown you down the road. Do what you can while you're waiting. These men knew that they needed to call another disciple to to be in their midst and to be joined in with their apostleship. So while they're waiting for this thing that God has promised them, they did what they could. They went ahead and appointed another apostle. Take care of what you can while you're waiting. Somebody said years ago, if you can't shoot, carry bullets. Do something. Do something. The lives and the eternity of men, the souls of men, are of such vast value and importance that we cannot, we cannot just stand idly by. We must do something. So while we're waiting, we get involved where we can. Uh, Somebody said it years ago, and I love the statement. They said, bloom where you're planted. God put you there for a reason. Bloom where you're planted. I believe, first of all, we need to be ready, constantly ready. When God finally drops that gate or opens that door or clears the traffic in front of the traffic jam, however you want to word it, we need to be ready to stomp on the gas and get going. Don't, don't, don't be caught unaware. Secondly, do what we can while we're waiting. Do what we can while we're waiting. And then the third thing, and I think probably the most important thing, is continue to be sensitive when is the right time to move. Continue to be sensitive when is the right time to move. How many of us have been sitting at a red light, and while we're there, we thought, I'm going to multitask. I've got time sitting here, and we do whatever we're going to do. We'll pull out a piece of paper, we text on a phone even though we're not supposed to. And we've got our head down and we're doing something. And all of a sudden you hear, ah, and you look back behind you and somebody's honking at you. And there's not traffic in front of you for like a quarter mile. They've already gone and left you and you're still sitting there. Why? Because you weren't aware of when the light turned green. And sometimes when God puts the, the stops on things and, and breaks on things, we become distracted. We're not watching for the open door anymore. We're not watching for the time that he says, okay, now it's time. Go. And we're caught standing still. And I hate to say it this way, but sometimes the opportunity passes us by because we've not been sensitive to when he wanted us to move. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. I like to look on those first three words. These all continued. Continued. They didn't just meet one time and then wait 10, 15, 20 days later. They were continuing in it. Why? So that they could constantly be watching for it. Lord, send it. We're ready for the Holy Ghost. We're ready to go do your bidding. And it didn't come that day. And so they didn't go on about their lives and get sidetracked by the cares and the affairs of their life. They came back the next day and said, Lord, let it be today. Let it be today. And they continued doing this until the time that God sent the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost was fully come. I don't want to be caught asleep at the wheel. 
if God if God shows me something, has something for me to do, but He says it's, it's not time yet, but soon, be watching. I don't want to be caught distracted. I don't understand why this message was for this afternoon or why this was on my heart this week. Other than to say, if this has not already happened in our life, it may soon happen. And how do we respond? What do we do during those times where God says, I want you to go, but but don't go yet. I want you to do, but don't do it yet. It's not quite time. What do we do during those times? I think that there are some great examples given in Scripture to help us to know what to do while we're waiting for God to open that door, for God to give the green light and say, go ahead. And I hope that will be a help to us today. Be ready. Be ready. If He showed you something, it's going to come to pass at some point. So be ready. Do what you can while you wait. And be sensitive to when God says, it's time. All right. Hope that will help. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it. Lord, we're so grateful that You have taken the time, You've taken the interest in our lives to put into this book the things that are needful for us. And so, Father, may we learn by it. May it help us. May it guide and direct us in our lives. May it be the the, the sole source. May it be the, the absolute authority in our life. 